Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Well, this past week, Jason is continuing his series on the book of First Peter, and he walked us through First Peter chapter 5, the last chapter of First Peter, and we're really looking at this concept of our theme this year, I am his and he is mine. And we have been talking about that off and on throughout this entire year. Uh, I was talking to somebody just the other day about our themes and how we come up with themes. And I told this person, we preach it this way, that way, the up, down, right, left. <laughs> and by the end of the year, our folks have heard it so many times, but they get this concept. And this is a truly strong biblical concept that I am his and he is mine. You know, Paul would say in the book of Galatians, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And that, that is the heart of discipleship. It's not a matter of just squeezing church into my busy schedule and after I'm done on Sunday morning, then I go about my life and I don't think about him till next Sunday. Uh, Christ is the center of our heart, center of our life. Everything we do, every word, every decision, every choice comes about reflected through this lens of Jesus. And so that's what we've really been building on this year. And what Jason has been doing these past few weeks is looking at it through the life of Peter. We went through the Gospels, then we went through the book of First Peter, chapter by chapter, noticing this concept. And so uh, back to you, Jason, Let, let's talk a little bit about this Sunday sermon. Yeah, if I could just add one thing about what you said about the themes, you know, I been doing this long enough and uh, trying to help with themes long enough that I know it's easy, at least for me, it has been in the past, to come up with a pretty good idea, present it to the congregation, and come the middle of March, you don't talk about it anymore for the next eight and a half months. What we're really trying to do with those themes is to make it a part of the culture of the local church. I, I think of the theme that was uh, already in place the year that I and my family moved here. We still hear that phrase off and on, life the way it was meant to be. And the reason that has stuck with us for years and years is because, well, that, first of all, it's a catchy phrase and it's a good discipleship idea. But we said it so many different times that it really comes to be a part of the culture around here. Just like you, uh, from the time that I've been here, I've heard you say off and on, Sunday is the best day of the week. And you and I both reiterate that because we want that to be a part of the culture. And so my hope is five years from now, we might hear a young man leading our observance of the Lord's Supper, and he says in passing, I am his and he is mine. That That is the goal. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to revisit this past Sunday. Really, in the bulk of the sermon, I zeroed in on 1 Peter 5, verses 5, 6, and 7, where the Apostle Peter calls all of us to clothe ourselves with humility or to bind on lowliness of mind. And I tried to tie in a couple of different instances from Peter's life where 
He didn't always get that, right? He could remember some arguments with his fellow apostles. He could remember Jesus modeling that in humbling and powerful ways. And now, having grown up some and matured, the Holy Spirit is using Peter to communicate to all of us. Listen, if if I'm not clothed with humility, then I'm not really wearing what God would have me to wear. We pivoted from there to talk just a little bit, as much as time allowed, about shepherds of the chief shepherd, right? Peter assures us God cares for us. We can cast our anxieties on him. And I just tried to elaborate that one of the ways we experience that care of the Lord is through shepherds of the chief shepherd. Peter powerfully reminds us that shepherds are in the work of caring for people. And so that is a great blessing in the life of the disciple. But ultimately, we heard in 1 Peter 5, verse 9, I've got to make the choice. You, everybody listening, has to ultimately make the choice. Will I resist the devil? Will I do the work that is necessary to be firm in my faith? And if I will, this spectacular promise there at the end of 1 Peter 5, the God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. It's a powerful chapter. It is. It is. And, and as you have well pointed out, it's all wrapped around this word of humbleness. Be humble. Uh, the Greek word humble is the word humus, which is the word for earth. And so rather than elevating ourselves, we humble or lowly ourselves. Right. Now, we're running through this, and just the opposite of all this is our culture and society today we live in, and that's pride and arrogance. And within these <clears throat> Peter passages, it says in verse 5, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. So let's let's first of all talk about that phrase. Why is it that God is opposed to the proud? Yeah, that also shows up in uh, the letter of James. Uh, we, we hear it off and on throughout the Bible, if not word for word, very, very close to that principle. Why does God oppose the proud? Well, I am created to glorify God. That comes through loud and clear in Old and New Testaments. And when I choose to glory in myself, that is not life the way it was meant to be, right? He is my creator. He is my sustainer. He is willing to be my savior. In fact, he's the only savior available to me. He is the one who has been patient with me. He has every right to tell me what is right and wrong for my good and for his glory and Pride is really at the, the 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 ugly heart of it is I hear you, but nobody's gonna tell me what to do. And God is absolutely positively opposed to that. And running through the book of Proverbs, we won't look at hardly any of these, just just one or two I point out, but the the subject of pride runs all through the book of Proverbs and it's real easy to see God doesn't like it. Uh, chapter 6, verse 16, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven, they're abomination to him. And number one out of the bat, just the first one, says haughty eyes. Yeah. 
So the arrogant, the proud, that's something that the Lord does not like. And the reason is simple, as you just said. Uh, when someone has pride, he's going to resist. He, he's going to think of himself as an equal. And God says this, well, you better do that, but I don't have to. And the proud person finds excuses. The proud person will be one who does not admit wrong. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't see that he needs to change. And all of that is in the fiber of what a disciple is. A disciple is one who realizes I am wrong. That's why I need Jesus. I need to change because my ways are not working out. But the arrogant or the proud person is going to be tripping over all those things because he doesn't think he needs those things. Yeah, it is. I love how in the Old Testament we frequently run across the idea of God as the potter and we are the clay. Uh, pride is uh, it's no longer a, a moldable, malleable lump of clay. It's hardened, right? And it's, well, this is the way I am. This is what I want. I will not yield. And for a little while, I can have that attitude. But uh, in view of this clear biblical promise that the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess there is one Lord of the universe, and it's not me. That is why we have these strong warnings to seek to to wake us up to that fact and and to help us out of that hurtful, prideful attitude. So let's let's put some uh, leather on this. Let's put okay. some shoes on this and walk through this because we live we live in a culture that. Uh, you, you need to be number one. What's the number one song of the year? What's the number one movie? Who's the MVP? What team is the greatest? It's always about number one. That, that's how our society is built right now. And, and it pushes people to, to be proud. And, you know, we, we, we have songs such as, uh, Lee Greenwood, uh, I'm proud to be an American. Well, is that wrong? <laughs> and, and, you know, anybody that's a parent or a grandparent, a space, it's worse on grandparents. You know, <laughs> I, I love the story of a little lady walking down the aisle of an airplane and there's all these empty seats and every person beside her, she'd say, do you have grandchildren? Yes. And she keep on going to finally she sounds, found somebody that says, no, I have no grandchildren. So she sat down and says, let me show you mine. You know, <laughs> she, she was proud of those grandchildren. Well, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. And what does that how, what does that look like in our in our times today? Yeah. So what does it look like in our times today? Well, a lot of times it is a way of making everything all about me, right? And and I believe that is what we are being warned against. What Paul in Philippians chapter two would talk about or describe as selfish ambition and conceit. But if you go in your Bibles back to Romans chapter 15, and maybe you're driving down the road and you'll just listen to me as I read, there, there are two passages that help me answer that basic question of, okay, is there in any sense a way that I can feel pride? And I believe that there is. And I, I would lean on, first of all, Paul's letter here to the Romans, Romans chapter 15. He's talking about his work as a minister uh, of Christ to the Gentiles. He says in verse 17 of Romans 15, in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be 
proud of my work for God. Now, what makes that appropriate is who is the work for? Who is the focal point here? Who is the hero of this story? Well, it is God, right? It is God who has allowed Paul. He has shown Paul grace, and now Paul has devoted himself with with an awareness, I am an unworthy servant. Many times Paul will describe himself as unworthy of the opportunity to serve, but here he is now having dedicated his life, and he says that because I am working for God, and I think if you read very carefully all around this context, really when he thinks about the work, he's thinking about the people that have been impacted by the gospel, right? He's not drawing attention to himself, but he knows he has worked hard. The gospel has had an impact on ordinary lives. He's working for God, and he takes pride in that work. Let let me read one other one to you very similarly in Philippians chapter 2. Again, this is Paul. Philippians chapter 2, we can pick up in verse 14 where he encourages those Christians in Philippi, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Listen to this, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Again, he's using the gospel to talk to ordinary people, encouraging them to live as servants of Christ. This is all about the word of life. He's not boasting in himself. He's not boasting in his own resume, but he unashamedly boasts in the power of the gospel that can change anybody's life. I think if you asked Paul, he would say, yeah, I'm proud of that. But what makes it appropriate is it is a boast in Jesus Christ. And and I think it's so important to see that because uh, I've been in some settings where you know, somebody was just, you know, talking about something that used the, pride, the word pride, or I'm proud of this, I'm proud of this person, and they couldn't even finish the sentence before someone interrupted them and said, oh, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're not supposed to be proud of anything. And and that's not right. Uh, now, now I think, again, to, to put some application on this, we, we think about a student starting the school year, mm-hmm. okay, be the best you can be. Right. Or be the best in the class. Those are two different attitudes. And if you're being the best that you can be, you might be the best in the whole class. But even if you're not, if you're the best that you can be, that's what we're after. And so uh, that's that's an idea we need to see and appreciate. Be the best song leader that you can be. May not be the best song leader in the church. That's okay. But be the best song leader you can be. Be the best preacher you can be. 
be the best shepherd you can be. Be the best parent that you can be. And, and, and that helps us to keep that perspective that we need to have because otherwise, you know, if we're striving to be the world's best dad, you know, you see that at, at Father's Day. You get these little <laughs> gifts. The world's best dad. A like, lot of dads get that. <laughs> a lot of dads do. And I don't know how that competition is held, but, but, but that's not what it's about. It's not about being the world's best. It's about being your best. And, and as Paul would say in Second Corinthians five verse nine, we make it our ambition to please God. Yeah. And so, when I'm doing the best that I can be, using my talents, using my faith, that's what God is after. And, and in that way, you're not being boastful because you realize your talents come from the Lord. Your opportunities are given to you by the Lord. Now, when you strive to be the best that ever walked on this planet. Well, you're going to have some problems there, and that's going to make you think ill ill of other people and put other people down and judge them in the ways you shouldn't do that. So our our concept is to be the best you can be and give the credit to God as it should be. Yeah, if God says, with you I am well pleased, well, that <laughs> that is the gold standard there, right? And I think sometimes maybe when it comes to hearing from a parent, let's say, I am proud of you. Well, that, that flows from a heart of love, right? And, and the sort of love that a son or daughter would love to be the recipient of. I, Roger, I'm sure you have sat down with men just like I have who have said in the past, my dad never said, I love you, or he never said, I'm proud of you. And what those men are, are hungry for is that affirmation of a father who cares, right? We're not talking about out of bounds pride there. We're talking about with you, I am well pleased, sort of proud. And so as disciples of Jesus, what we need to do is figure out, okay, what is well pleasing to our father in heaven? You brought up what God hates from Proverbs. What brings great joy to our father in heaven? Let's get in harmony with that boast in that and unashamedly live for that. The, the humble person is going to realize he's not better than others. Uh, we're all in this together, and we all need Jesus Christ. The, the proud person, he's going to view the world as a system like a pyramid, and he's striving to be that very top, better than everyone else. And that, that's, not, that's not the issue that God's trying to bring out here. That's not the concept that we should have as we think about our working and relationship with others. Well, let, let, let's go to this question, Jason. Um, you know, it's very easy for someone to be listening to this and, you know, going through the world of sports, going through the world of music or academics. He has just been pushed and pushed to be the best that there is. Yeah. He has a pride issue. So how do I get that out of me? Yeah, well, I toward the beginning of the sermon, uh, I just went back and I noticed a couple of different times when, for instance, the apostles are behind Jesus. Jesus is on his way to Capernaum, and the apostles are arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest. Or in Mark chapter 10, James and John make this bold request. We'd like to sit one on the right hand, one on the left, uh, when you come in your glory. And, and the other apostles are indignant about that, even in the upper room on the 
the, the last night of Jesus with his apostles, they're still arguing and bickering amongst themselves about which one is the greatest. And Jesus in John chapter 13 takes off his outer garments, girds himself with a towel, gets down on his knees, washes the feet of his disciples and says, listen, you need to be aware of who I am and what I'm doing to you. And then you need to follow my example. This is not simply a mental switch. This is not just a, uh, a different way of thinking. This is a different way of acting. And so if I am struggling on this front, what should I do? I should serve. And there are no shortages of possibilities and opportunities all around me. I should serve and not post it to social media, not take a picture and broadcast what I'm doing. I should serve. And if nobody knows about it other than the one that I've served, wonderful. The more I will do that, the more Jesus works right alongside of me on my heart. Jesus put it this way, do not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Yeah. I mean, you can't get any closer than your hands on your body. <laughs> and the whole point is you're not tooting your horn. You're not saying, look at me. You're not doing a shout out. Now, in our culture, it's real easy for us just to get this stuff in us, and we just got to get it out of us. Uh, how easy in conversations. Who do you think is the best preacher today? Don't go there. Don't go there. There's no contest. We're not in competition with each other. Which one do you think is the best church around? Don't go there. Uh, and you know what? If you want to ask some questions, am I doing the best I can do? And am I glorifying God? Am I using my talents the best I can? And and so when we start asking those kind of questions, it just opens the door for pride. And usually somebody gets their feelings hurt and things go south very quickly. And so uh, God is opposed to the proud, but God loves the humble. And that's the concept we need to see from this. Yeah. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. That's what a, we're looking for. That sermon needs to be listened to, and it's on our website. We encourage you to listen to it again or to watch it. It's all available there. We have a whole library of old sermons and classes and blogs and podcasts. I mean, it's just a rich, rich library that you can go back and pull things out because we need reminders of this. Uh, you know, you, you, you run through your Bible and just look at the word pride, how many times it's used, or the word humble. Uh, God doesn't just say it one time and think, okay, I said it, and they ought to get it. He says it over and over and over again, and through that, we need to be reminded ourselves by using these opportunities, and that will help us along yeah. this way. So it's Wednesday, Roger. We are uh, very much looking forward to being together this evening. Last Wednesday, the night before Thanksgiving, we had a singing. So it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in class on Wednesday. What are you doing in the auditorium tonight? We are continuing our series on profiles of serving, and we're looking at different characters in our Bibles who served. 
And we're going to look at Mary who anointed Jesus right before his death. And through that, we're going to talk about having eyes that serve and uh, seeing opportunities that they are around us. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we are rounding off a little three-part series where we've been looking at uh, what could be called bad words of the Bible. We talked about sin. We talked about transgression. Tonight, we'll talk about iniquity. We hear that word every once in a while, but what in the world is iniquity? We'll talk about that at 7 o'clock p.m. this evening. Lord willing, this Sunday morning, I am just going to continue pressing on. I've got three more lessons in this series as we're doing our best to get the most out of our theme for the year before 2022 is done. We will be in Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll continue to search for I am his and he is mine through the pen of Peter. We would love to have you join us. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you at 7 o'clock p.m. this evening. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. We would love to have you come and grow with us. 